The First Act of the Amazons, a farcical romance by Arthur W. Pinero. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The scene represents a thickly wooded, overgrown corner of Overcoat Park. There is a small clearing up to a dense thicket, and a ragged hedge which is broken by an old five-barred gate, while prominently in the foreground are, on the left, the stump of a felled tree, and on the right an old tree with a wide hollow in its trunk. Beyond the gate is a prospect of a woodland, pierced by gleams of bright light. It is a fine, warm morning in September. Some golden leaves are on the trees, a few have fallen. The whole scene is warmly coloured, and poetical in suggestion. Ewart, an aged servant in livery, opens the gate for the Reverend Roger Minchin, who advances on to the clearing. Minchin is a type of the country parson of the old school, white-haired, red-faced, hearty in manner. No sign of a ladyship here, you ought. We'll find her, Mr. Minchin. Wiping his brow. Oof! Closing the gate. My lady and the family are very partial to the tangle of fine days. The tangle? That's what the family call this corner of the park, sir. Looking off and removing his cap. Here is my lady. Miriam, Marchioness of Castle Jordan, approaches carrying a camp-stool. She is a tall, splendidly handsome woman of middle age. Shaking hands heartily with Minchin. Mr. Minchin! How are you? You so seldom come to see me. Shall we walk back to the hall? If you don't mind. Get your wind? Certainly. Ewart, has Shooter gone to the station to meet Lord Nole? I believe so, my lady. Ewart goes away through the gateway. Well, I see what you're thinking about. Lord Noel? That's Lady Noelin? From your point of view, yes. Oh dear, oh dear. Noel has been staying with the Mrs. Vipont in town for some weeks. The Vipont's have been kept in London, you know, by the late session. I miss Noel sadly. Referring to her watch. He will be at the hall in half an hour. Will he? And your two other girl, uh, boys? They spent their August in Scotland. They've been home some days. Walking about restlessly. It chafes me so to think I am not at the station myself to meet my eldest son. You've deputed whom, did I hear you say? Sergeant Shooter. Man or woman? From your point of view, woman, I suppose. Why, sergeant? Late husband held that rank in Castle Jordan's old regiment. What duties does she, he, perform here? Teaches my boys boxing, fencing, athletics generally. Oh. A splendid fellow. At the same time, I should dearly like to have gone to Scrumley Station to meet Noel. You're detained here, I gather. Detained? I don't venture beyond the park nowadays more than I can help. You know why, surely. Hmm, well... You know what they call me outside, at Great Overcoat, and Little Overcoat, and at Scrumley. Ah, even in London. Yes, yes. The eccentric Lady Castle Jordan. Eccentric. My dear Lady Castle Jordan, the truth is that I've presumed to call on you this morning in the hope that I may be permitted to modestly reason with you on this very subject. Again? Once more. Sit down. They sit, she on the camp stool, he on the stump of a tree. 
to begin with it would be disingenuous to conceal from you that i do constantly hear very severe strictures passed upon your line of conduct you've heard of them for the last ten years ever since my husband died but these strictures are more severe now than ever and with some justice when your children were children there was small harm in your playfully regarding them as boys and allowing them to romp and riot but to-day here are three young women no three strapping young women no i will repeat i do repeat three bouncing young women well in detail i admit my children are perhaps what you describe but in disposition in mind in muscle they are three fine stalwart young fellows but great overcourt and little overcourt and scrumley do not look upon them as a great overcoat a little overcoat and scrumley competent judges of my bitter heart-burnings and disappointments you knew jack my husband oh yes indeed what was he a gentle giant a grand piece of muscular humanity in frame the vikings must have been of the same pattern and you remember me as i was twenty years ago looking at her i've no excuse for forgetting i was a fit mate for my husband perfect even in jack's time i never scaled less than ten stone and he could lift me as if i were a sawdust doll old friend oh old friend what a son my son and jack's ought to have been she goes to the gate and leans upon it turning her back to minchin who has also risen but 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 it didn't please providence to send you some beating the gate oh oh come come do learn to view the matter resignedly girls girls it's an old story now girls why despise girls many people like girls bless my heart i like girls you can recall noline's arrival i was sure she was going to be a boy so was jack i knew it so did jack the child was to be in christened noel jack's second name yes i was up at the hall that night smoking with castle jordan to keep him quiet poor dear i remember his bending over me afterwards and whispering damn it miriam you've lost the whole season's hunting for nothing then the second lady wilhelmina yes billy came next jack wouldn't speak to me for a couple of months after that the only fallout we ever had but your third lady thomason dearest tommy oh by that time jack and i had agreed to regard anything that was born to us as a boy and to treat it accordingly and for the rest of his life my husband taught our three children there never was another to ride fish shoot swim fence fight wrestle throw run jump until they were as hardy as indians and their muscles burst the sleeves of their jackets and when jack went i continued their old training of course i i recognize my boy's little deficiencies but i am making the best of the great disappointment of my life and i well call me the eccentric lady castle jordan what do i care she sits wiping her eyes ah well well i've great sympathy but i really do think that the time has arrived now now pardon me but you can't know what you're talking about eh you haven't forgotten have you that the title went to my husband's brother in default of my being the mother of a of a complete boy of course i haven't and that this man the present lord castle jordan a wizened creature without shoulders has a son i know that 
a son a lady castle jordan a wisp of a woman with a mouth like a rabbit's and they have a son lord literally he's at oxford he has just come down and what do you think that young man has carried everything before him at the university everything why i heard he'd failed even to take a past degree bother his degree he was first string in the mile and quarter mile against cambridge at queen's club he got his cricket blue and came within two of making his century at lords and in the rugby football he was the best three-quarter back in the oxford fifteen that's been known for the last five and twenty years oh the torture of it now come come i don't see you don't see that this is the son jack and i ought to have had no pacing to and fro heavens if this young man had been sickly stunted freckled weak anemic red-eyed narrow-chested hush hush or better still hump-backed with one short leg it might have made me a more contented gentler woman but as it is now now and you choose this moment for suggesting that i should look matters straight in the face and realize the melancholy maternal muddle i've made you know i've had an idea for some time past but there you are not on friendly terms with the present lord castle jordan and his family friendly terms because it has often struck me that it might be a small consolation to you to know this young man never tut tut you might grow to be fond of lord Litterly. fond of him fond of the youth that nature nature for whom i have done so much has taken from me and given to that insignificant little woman no never shall one of us exchange a word even with one of them never i say never oh dear oh dear lady wilhelmina beltabet enters below the hedge she is a sweet-looking girl of nineteen quite gentle and feminine her attire is a compromise between a boy's and a woman's her norfolk jacket reaches almost to her knees and her lower limbs are encased in stout leather gaiters she carries a fishing-rod in its case and across her shoulders an ordinary wicker fishing-basket why it's mr minchin our oh, mother dear mr minchin shaking hands with him warmly and how are you hey any sport slipping her basket from her shoulders i'm on my way down there's a little too much wind i fancy i've turned into the shelter here to die a fly opening the basket let me help you what is tommy doing this morning giving the grey mare a lesson over the hurdles hmm dangerous work please don't put such ideas into my boys heads walking away minchin and wilhelmina sit side by side on the stump of the tree he with her tackle-box in his hand putting on his spectacles now then what are your flies red septembers and mottled spinners oh you're a knowing one he ties the fly have you and mother been talking what do you think we have been doing playing leapfrog i mean talking about us g boys hmm pliers handing the pliers i guess you have mr minchin dear mother isn't worried about us is she me particularly i can answer that no she isn't i am silk giving the silk to him i'm glad she's not worried because do you know i'm afraid i'm going to be a great sorrow to her you i've a foreboding i shall turn out badly in what way oh i'm getting worse every day mr minchin i i'm becoming so very effeminate he looks at her for a moment ho ho hush hush scissors go on it's nice to talk to you shall i tell you something very well rather funny about tommy and myself do if you ought to i don't think i ought to well then my dear 
if you are at all uncertain about it perhaps it would be better yes you're right perhaps it would be better that you should tell me oh well you know tommy and i have been staying up at drum durras with little lady drum have you there was a very large house party men and women he glances involuntarily at her gaiters oh we always visit in our skirts of course yes 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 well you'll never guess tommy had an offer of marriage ho ho hush you'll fall off that tomboy too now if such a thing had happened to you i mr minchin eh it did happen to me also looking round lady castle jordan reappears mother i've been the way i expect no no my fly please thank you she takes the fly from him the hook runs into his finger you're hooked extracting the hook i am sorry she gathers her tackle together and goes to the gate he heard you laugh a long way off what amuses you got a hook in my finger how good-humoured you are here's tommy tom hello the call is returned and lady thomasin beltabet a bright rosy rather rough-mannered girl of eighteen appears and leaps the gate she is in man's riding-dress smartly and perfectly turned out from cap to boots mr minton has called to see us good man how are you shaking hands heartily with minchin missed you at breakfast mater kissing lady castle jordan mr minchin how's the old horse ah oh. shaking his head i thought he went rather gingerly on that near four of his when you rode over in the summer look here you come and have a spin with me round the park one morning we'll give you a mount what you say looking her up and down my young friend i'm afraid i could not ride with you while you are in such an attire as i now see you in uh, mr minchin tommy talk to your brother thomasin joins wilhelmina and they talk together advancing to lady castle jordan lady castle jordan i i must say it i am a little shocked i don't understand you pardon me is that a proper dress for a young woman to scamper about in it is all a question of environment the poor african in her solitary row of beads is as discreet as the best dressed woman in town i will not have my boy's unconsciousness disturbed i ought to tell you this i hear that the overcoat and scrumley people spend the afternoons of their early closing wednesdays in hanging about the skirts of your park vulgar curiosity there i wonder your park has skirts i have built five lodges round overcoat park expressly to protect us from intruders with the exception of one privileged old friend yourself no one enters the park but on my fortnightly thursdays glancing over his shoulder and then then my boys disguise themselves in petticoats i think he may boast that no boys have sweeter frocks than my boy wilhelmina and thomasin stroll away seeing that he is alone with lady castle jordan hmm. one word more lady castle jordan assuming just for the sake of argument that your boys are girls may i ask you what you do if they should ever be asked in marriage oh hey, my dear mr minchin aha do you know you've chanced on a supposition that has been a reality well willie and tommy well wilhelmina and thomasin were staying at drumdurras castle two men fell in love with them and in the name of common sense why not men i call them insects merciful powers one was a frenchman well a creature who has doubtless shot a fox the other little lord tweenways 
between ways a fine race the fitzbrays fine why godefroy de fitzbray was one of richard's knights in the crusade no fitzbray hath ever stood higher than five feet five in his boots they're a shrivelled puny line the present lord tweenways inherits the accumulated ailments of all his ancestors and he presumes thomason and wilhelmina reappear Shh, mr minchin walk up to the hall with me we shall be just in time to greet lord nole i'll tell you about this business as we stroll along minchin opens the gate my dear boys don't come with us it's so long since i've seen mr minchin very well mother dear all right mater as she and minchin walk away isn't that scrumly church chime we shall be late minchin and lady castle jordan disappear thomason sits on the tree stump so you think that do you billy sure of it but why should the parson concern himself about us he he thinks we're girls you know tommy dear well we ain't my dear william so he's out of it approaching thomason and kneeling beside her tom don't you ever feel like a girl i well i should hope not but how do you know you don't i'm sometimes afraid i do that's cause you had measles too late in life and got your blood thin you're a manly young chap enough considerin am i of course you're not to be compared with old noel he is the pick of our basket yes he's very nice nice what silly words you use why he's the best all-round sportsman our side of the county even i own that nice and he's a fellow that reads books too i never could open a book nice he he well he's just my notion of what a young englishman ought to be hello what's that in the hollow of that tree quickly going across to the tree oh can you see it see it it must have slipped down it's my guitar drawing a guitar case from the hollow of the tree what the deuce mother heard me playing in my room and stopped me she says it's girlish rubbish the troubadours always played guitars oh i say ain't i well informed taking the guitar from its case so i hid it here thinking i'd creep down to the tangle sometimes and sing to myself hard lines won't the mater let you play anything tuning the guitar she's promised to give me a cornet good business tune up william anything pretty bar love rot you know ah it's so damp as wilhelmina is about to sing thomason raises herself suddenly look out who's coming wilhelmina hastily conceals the guitar and case below the tree lady noeline beltabet and shooter are seen going towards the gate noeline is a handsome imperious girl of twenty she wears the ordinary travelling costume of a young lady shooter is a good-looking woman of about thirty suggesting by her manner and dress an association with the army noeline has a set serious look upon her face shooter carries a travelling bag noel jumping up noel boys wilhelmina and thomason grip noeline's hands in manly fashion how are you how are you how are you how's the mother she was here just now with mr minchin they've gone up to the hall to meet you i expect i got out of the carriage at the east lodge for the sake of a walk across the park sergeant yes my lord go on ahead tell my mother where i am don't stare at me like that please all right my lord she goes off through the gate what is the sergeant staring at looking into noeline's face oh looking at noeline by jove you don't look very fit nonsense glad to get back putting her hands on their shoulders glad rather good man let's sit down perhaps i am rather out of condition london isn't scotland thomason hands noeline a cigarette case from which she takes a cigarette passing on the case to wilhelmina taking a cigarette thanks 
They light their cigarettes. You'll find these something good. I'm giving a new firm a leg up. Boys, I had your letters. So you got into a little difficulty at Drumdurris? Tweenways. Proposed, didn't he? I should think he did. Nuisance, eh? Horrid bore. Enough to turn any fellow against his holidays. What about you, Willie? Turning away slightly. A friend of Lord Tweenway's. Andre de Greville. You know, the usual thing. Plenty of moustache and vivacity. Proposed? Oh, yes. Strutting about. They behaved decently, I will say. They did go to Lady Drumdoris first, and Egedia, in a great commotion, wrote off to the mater. Sitting on the tree-stump beside Noeline. But they couldn't wait for Mother's reply. Caddish. Perhaps Monsieur de Greval is ignorant of our customs. Tweenways isn't. Putting her arm round Noeline's waist. You're vexed. It wasn't our fault. Kissing Noeline furtively. You know, Tommy looked rather pretty up north. Looking into Wilhelmina's face. I dare say. Noeline kisses Wilhelmina, taking Noeline's hand. Looking at Noeline's hand suddenly. Ah! Oh, where's your ring? Snatching her hand away and concealing it. What? Your ring, the Beltabet ring. It's in my case. Noeline, you know Mother believes it never leaves your finger. Thomason takes up the guitar and sounds the strings. What's that? My guitar. Sing to me, Willie. The train always upsets my nerves. Then we'll all walk home together. Wilhelmina takes the guitar, and leaning against the hollow tree, sings a pretty melody. Thomason sits on the gate. Noeline remains on the tree stump. As the song nears its close, she sinks to the ground, and leaning her head on the stump, utters hysterical sounds. Oh! Oh, oh, oh dear! Oh dear! Wilhelmina dropping her guitar, runs with Thomason to Noeline, raising her. Here, hold up, old man. Noel, dear Noel. Oh, boys, 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 I'm so upset. What's amiss? Do tell us. Wait a second, I will tell you. I must tell somebody. She walks up and down, composing herself. The others stand together and look on, wonderingly. To Wilhelmina. Eh? To Thomason. I can't think. I'm all right. I say, you fellows, I got into a bit of a mess the night before last. A scrape. A bother. Did you? Oh! How? You know Mrs. Vipont and her husband went down into Surrey to a political meeting he was to speak at, and as they couldn't catch the last train home, they slept at Sir Henry Carholt's at Chilmere. I didn't go, for two reasons. Never-ending politics bore me. And then I wanted to profit by their absence to see London. See London? Why, you have been seeing London for the last five weeks. Oh, yes, in my petticoats, shopping with Florence in the morning, the forlorn park in the afternoon, a cockney exhibition in the evening. I wanted to view London from the same standpoint from which we've been brought up to see things here at Overcote. Good man. Yes, that's it. I felt that if I could only parade the streets as a man, at the hour when all the namby-pamby women of our class are being escorted here and there, lifted in and out of carriages, wrapped about in soft cloaks, half smothered by polite attentions, if only I could do this, I should indeed be a man. I wanted to swagger along unnoticed, to fling away my half-burnt cigarette, to see it caught up still sparkling by a ragged urchin to throw a coin to a crossing sweeper, to be shoved and elbowed by a noisy crowd, ah, even to be sworn at. Boys, I felt that if I could only do this, I should be less like a girl than ever. Oh, why wasn't I with you? And, and did you do it? Yes, I did it. Sitting on the camp-stool. I did it. Oh, ho, ho. Sitting. You hadn't your dress clothes in town with you, Noel. Kneeling beside Noel. No, but I was obliged to make a confidant of Dawkins, the woman who valeted me in Chesham Street, and she and I raked out a dress suit of Bobby Vipont's. Bobby's in Switzerland, you know. 
He's seventeen and just my height, but everything I borrowed of him, except his white necktie, was a beastly fit. However, I was well hidden by his Inverness cape, so it didn't matter a row of pins. Then I crammed my hair under a wig that had been left over from Lucy V. Pont's birthday theatricals, and then—then Dawkins let me out. "'What did you do? Where did you go to?' stamping her feet. "'I did the West End. I—I didn't like it. I—I didn't care for anything I saw. I was tired. I was returning home. Then I got into this mess.' "'Oh, dear!' I saw a man about to hit a girl. He'd got his arm back, his fist against his shoulder. He meant it. So did I. Boys, you know what I can do. Well, before you could have said jinx, I'd slipped my big ring into Bobby Vipont's trouser pocket, and I'd landed the monster. Putting her fist under Wilhelmina's chin. Just here, Willie dear. Thomason jumps up excitedly. Noel! I've often knocked out Sergeant Shooter in the same way, but always with gloves on. Rubbing her hand with aversion. Oh, you don't know what it's like to get home on a strange man's chin without the gloves on. Did he go down? Down? Nodding and staring at the ground in agitation. I see him there constantly. I tumble over him in my sleep. Going to Thomason. Oh, Tommy, Tommy. Go on, don't stop. There was a crowd. Men and women grew out of the pavement. Brutes! No, they were friendly. They called me Governor. Let him have it again, Governor, one person advised. An awful unanimous desire seemed to possess them all to mind what they called my togs. My hat—Bobby Vipont's hat—went in a twinkling. Then terrible hands—hundreds of hands, I fancied, of all shapes and sizes, were laid on my cape. I wrenched myself free and broke away, hitting about like a woman then, right and left. And I ran. I ran till I fainted. You fainted? You? Why don't men faint sometimes? What became of you? When I came to, I was lying on a sofa in a strange room, and a young fellow was sitting a little way off watching me. Noel! Noel! Well? 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 I'd fallen almost into his arms, he'd explained. He'd taken me to his lodgings to get me round. He spoke as a gentleman speaks. He—he he liked the look of me, he said. Biting her lips. How did he convey you to his rooms? Noeline shakes her head. Were you on a level with the street? No. First floor. How did he get you upstairs? Rocking herself to and fro. That's just it. Frowning. Think he guessed you weren't the usual sort of young man? I don't know what to think. Wilhelmina bursts into tears. By Jove, this isn't a very nice accident to befall a young lady. Hitting her boots with her crop, angrily. Tom! Looking up. Yes, you were sent to town as a young lady. A fellow's sister, too. Well, well, well? He lent me a cap, expecting me, I suppose, to ask his name. But I snatched the cap from him and bolted down his stairs into the street. The dawn was just breaking when I found a cab. Dawkins put me to bed in a rage. When I got up, I burnt the cap and gave Dawkins two pounds in a cigarette-holder. Wringing her hands. Oh! Oh! Wilhelmina sobs. <laughs> you shut up, William. After all, beyond the indignity and the humiliation of the thing, you're none the worse for the little outing holding out her hand. My ring! The Beltabit ring! Eh? The big ring that has never left a Beltabet's hand for so many hundreds of years! Not gone! It must have fallen out of the pocket of Bobby Vipont's silly trousers! Jupiter! The mater's angry only about once a year. This'll be it. Look out! Here they are! Wilhelmina hastily conceals the guitar and its case in the hollow of the tree. Noeline draws on her gloves. Lady Castle Jordan, Minchin, and Shooter come through the gate. My dear boy! Embracing Noeline. Looking into Noeline's face, 
uneasily. Ah, oh, London has taken all that fine bronze tint out of your face. There's Mr. Mitchin. Shooter! Shooter advances, taking a letter from her pocket. Mrs. Vipont asked me to give you that, mother. She hands Lady Castle Jordan the note, and joins Minchin, Wilhelmina, and Thomason. To Shooter, while opening the note. Sergeant? Yes, my lady? Certainly, I do notice it. Lord Noel looks terribly flabby. I shall see what he does with the barbells tonight in the gymnasium. Reading the note to herself. Oh, dear Miriam, please come to town at once to hear a statement from Clara Dawkins, my maid. Say nothing yet to Nolene, as we may find the woman untruthful. Yours affectionately, Florence Vipont. Mercy, what has occurred? Mr. Minchin! Minchin approaches and Shooter retires. The girls gather together. Old friend, will you take me to London this morning? I? I must be protected from annoyance at Great Overcoat and Scrumbly. If you won't... But I will. Oh, thank you. Not a word. She goes hurriedly away through the gate. Lady Castle Jordan. He follows her. Shooter goes after them, going to the gate. Anything wrong, Sergeant? Closing the gate. Hope not, my lord. Shooter disappears. Why is the mater so taken up with Mr. Minchin today? It gives one a breathing time, at any rate. Come, boys, we'll go down to the bridge till lunch. Billy, bring the banjo. Wilhelmina produces the guitar again. Yes, let's forget for a little while that you've lost Dad's ring. By Jove, it's ripping to be all together again, ain't it? Ah, oh, Tom, I wish we hadn't left home this summer, any of us. Slapping her on the back. Cheer up, old man. I mean to. After lunch we'll have a pop at the partridges. Confound London! Hateful London! Noeline and Thomason go off below the hedge. Running after them with the guitar. Wait for me, you fellows, wait for me. After a few moments, André de Grival emerges cautiously from the bush and undergrowth on the left below the hedge. De Grival is a good-looking, animated young Frenchman of the type of a Grevin caricature. He speaks fluently, but his pronunciation and inflections are, like his appearance and general demeanour, very French. Pieces of twig and bracken cling to his clothes, and his necktie is disarranged. Looking about him. Where have we got to? Where is it? Wiping his brow. I'm hot. Tweenways, my dear fellow, Tweenways. The Earl of Tweenways crawls out of the thicket on his stomach painfully. Tweenways, my friend, here we are sheltered. We may stand upright. Lord Tweenways rises. He is a short, thin, weak-looking man of about three-and-thirty, with a pale, emaciated face and red eyes. Although a most insignificant person, his bearing is full of affectation and his tone a haughty one. He is more disarranged and dishevelled than his companion. His clothes are covered with bracken, his hat and pocket are full of leaves, his knickerbockers are green and soiled at the knees, and, at one knee, there is a small rent. You don't think we've been observed? Impossible. We crawl like alligators. Allow me. Picking the bracken from Tweenway's clothes, and otherwise putting him in order. That was a good place at which to enter the park, between two lodges, not in sight of each. There you are. Thank you. Let me render you a similar service. Turning his back to Tweenways. My friend. Tweenways fastidiously removes one piece of bracken from de Grival's coat. Yes, I certainly did discover the one weak spot in the fortification. Removing the bracken from the front of his coat. Pardon me, I found it. I found it? No, no, I found it. I dare say you're right. He replaces the piece of bracken on de Graval's coat and moves away. Thank you. 
at all event we are here to fancy i am once more near wilhelmina breathing the air she breathes listening to the birds that sings to her looking at to tweenways who is sitting emptying his pockets of leaves my friend you have scratched your nose no applying his handkerchief yes it is so ha this is characteristic of us we have never hesitated to shed our blood freely for those on whom we have bestowed our affection we us you and me no 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 my race my family we have always been remarkable for our ardent passions our loves have made history you know lady castle jordan's objection to you as a suitor for lady thomasine have you heard it heard it she objects to my stature my whole physical fabric in fact she is crazy on the subject of muscular development feeling his muscles and hitting the air yes yes ah uh, ah uh. kicking vigorously ah uh. regarding de graval disdainfully we oui. We have never been coarse, brawny men, always delicate, fragile, with transparent veins. Our women are especially interesting. An eminent surgeon once assured me that he could make out the osteological structure of any one of our women by placing her before a lighted candle and looking at her on the dark side. We, oui. and I am rejected because I am a Frenchman, ah? Eh? Well. Frankly, with families who have made history, I can quite understand that. That, but why pain you? But I am English, my dear de Graval. English to my backbone, French by birth, yes, but so long educated in England. English is my appearance, manner, voice. I play your games, follow your sport. I speak the idiom of your language. I say, don't you know? Frequently, I learn your proverbs. A great many cooks spoil your broth. Honesty is the best thing to do a stick in time. All of them by heart, I say, damn it all, in the smoking room. And still I am French, bah! All I can say is I've known you some time, and, well, we are judges of men. My friend, and we stick together in this affair? I will not leave this neighborhood till I have personally renewed my proposal to Lady Thomason. I am pleased to have your companionship. But do we understand each other? For example, if one of us was asked up to the hall, that one would not march in and leave the other his friend on the outside? Speaking for myself, if I, well, dined at Overcote Hall without you, I should certainly make quite a point of alluding to you generously during the evening. Alluding, thank you very much, Bob. Never reckon your ducks, your chickens. Snapping his fingers in Tweenway's face. Don't you know? Monsieur de Graval. Walking away. La, la, la. Oh. They walk about angrily, then meet again. After a display of indignation, Tweenway's removes a piece of the bracken from de Graval's coat. Turning, conciliated. Ah, my friend suddenly in evident pain oh oh dear me tween ways you have it again breathing no no the other was sciatica this is cramp cramp we have cramp we have sciatica also but every alternate generation has the cramp bias very clearly defined oh dear dear this from creeping through the underwood what to do it will pass i suffer with you rocking himself to and fro our cramp has made history my mother quotes an old distich cold the wind and damp the day cramp shall seize the true fitzbray lord Littley appears above the hedge and seeing tweenways into graval he looks cautiously over the gate he is a handsome young man with the frame of an athlete and an air of indolence to himself ah i'll swear to that back aloud i say turning eh going to the gate my dear barrington opening the gate andre they shake hands tweenways groans oh
to de Graval. Who's your pal? Looking round. How do you do, Littley? Why, Tweeny, what are you making that noise for? The cramps. Producing a little silver flask from his waistcoat pocket. Cramp. Take a pull. Tweenways drinks. Why, we three haven't met since Lady Twombley's jolly dance that hot night in July. I say, what's this place? Overcote Park. No, then it's my aunt's place. Certainly it is. Lady Castle Jordan, your aunt? Ah, I see it. The eccentric Lady Castle Jordan, they call her, poor lady. Are you visiting? Tweenways and Graval exchange looks. What's up? Pardon me if I speak to Tweenways. Graval and Tweenways consult together. To himself. I say, suppose the young man I picked up, I, I mean the young woman I picked up, turns out to be my... With a prolonged whistle. I say. To Litterly. No, we are not visiting Litterly. Are you? I? My people in the Overcoat Park people have been daggers drawn for years. You will, I am convinced, thank me, Litterly, for letting you know that no one is permitted to enter this park except on Lady Castle Jordan's reception days. Sitting lazily. So I believe. My cousins are rather uncommon in their rig-outs, I've heard. Yes, yes, but... But here you are, my dear Litterly. And here you are, my dear Tweeny. Ah, uh, excuse me. De Graval and Tweenways again consult. Litterly makes a cigarette calmly. My dear Barrington, we admit we have no rights here. The short of it is, we desire to meet Lady Wilhelmina Belturbet. And Lady Thomason. Ladies, we've had the joy of knowing at Drumderis. I say, is that is? Today we discover the only way to enter this park without notice. You think so? Well, no one saw me wriggle through a break in the fence, I swear. Ah, we came through the fence also. My dear aunt ought to have the park palings looked to. Pointing to the left. Over there. Pointing to the right. Over there. Pish! Pardon me. Tweenways and de Graval again consult. Literally chuckles. <laughs> My dear Litterly, it is our deliberate intention to conceal ourselves in Overcote Park until we encounter these ladies. I need hardly tell you that any assistance you can render us, in the shape of leaving us to ourselves, we shall esteem highly. Sitting on the grass, leaning lazily against the tree stump. I say, I was about to make a similar suggestion to you, old chap. I'm going to hang about here, too. May I ask? Why not? I'm a little interested in a lady I've just seen entering the park. I've followed her from town, in point of fact, in the hope of getting a few words with her on quiet. So, you see, Tweeny, you can't have the field quite to yourself. Tweenways and de Graval consult together with great animation. I resent this. I resent it. Damn it all. We don't brook obstacles. A great many cooks. Damn it all. If this had occurred a few centuries ago, we should have simply slain the fellow. After further muttered conversation, they returned to Litterly. My dear Barrington, it seems to us that as we are all trespassers here, and as our interests run on somewhat parallel lines, the best course we can adopt is to... is to... Stick together. Pals? I say, just as you like. Don't put yourselves out. Good, this is good. Union is strength, don't you know? From the distance there comes the sound of the girls' voices, singing to the accompaniment of the guitar and gradually drawing near. Hark! Hark! It's coming here. We'd better get out of sight. Certainly. To Litterly. Barrington, you will be looked at. De Graval goes off quickly. Litterly! Litterly! Preparing to rise. All right, old chap, I'm moving along. Upon my word, Lord Litterly. 
going down upon his hands and knees and crawling into the thicket, scowling at Litterly. Fool! Fool! He disappears, rising slowly and listening. Girls' voices? Girls! He walks off after de Graval. Then Noeline, Wilhelmina, and Thomason come along singing. Near the gate, speaking to Wilhelmina. Look out, Billy, here's the sergeant. They cease singing. Wilhelmina hurriedly returns the guitar to its hiding place. Thomason stands, shielding Wilhelmina. A shooter approaches. From the other side of the gate. My lady would like to see you up at the hall directly. She wants to say goodbye. Goodbye? 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 Milady's just off to town. To town? What for? Going to London. Mother has been sent for by the lawyers, perhaps. She's going to see the dentist, very likely. Hairdresser, I think. Mater's hair is coming out in sackfuls. Dressmaker, I believe. Or bootmaker. Mater hasn't got a decent shoe to her back. I mean... Don't stand here guessing. Come on, boys. Shooter opens the gate. Thomason shoulders the campstool. Wilhelmina picks up her rod and basket. The three girls disappear, and Shooter follows. Then de Graval returns excitedly to his companions. St! St! Tweenways crawls from out the thicket. Literally re-enters leisurely. Wilhelmina! I have seen Wilhelmina! Hush! Thomason! I have heard Thomason. To himself. My cousin. The boy I picked up. Well, the girl I picked up. My cousin. To Tweenways. Did you hear? Lady Castle Jordan goes to London. Do you understand that? Dash it. Do you think I'm obtuse? What fortune. The mother goes. We see them, talk with them, walk with them. La, 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 love laughs at blacksmiths, don't you know? He dances about fantastically. Literally sits thoughtfully. The girls are heard singing again, their voices gradually becoming more distant. Rushing to the gate. Again! Literally rises on hearing the singing, and, running to the gate, climbs onto the middle bar and looks off. You'll be seen by the maid! going down on his hands and knees, and crawling to the gate. Fool! Fool! He puts his head under the lower bar to watch the girls. The girls are still singing in the distance. End of the first act.